So, but good evening to one and all and uh, here tonight and to those joining with us on our podcast service uh, on Facebook or Spotify, welcome to the House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre and here in Charters Cows. And to each and every one of you, it's really, really good to have you, have you here with us. I'd like if you would turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 11. It's an unusual scripture. It's an unusual book, isn't it? It was written by King Solomon in his later years. And a lot, he talks a lot about vanity. Everything's all vanity. And, uh, but I'll begin to read here. So it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, To, the, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn (coughs) and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Verse 9. What profit has the worker from that in which he labours? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he has put eternity into the hearts of every man. Amen. And so the title of my message tonight is Believing in All Seasons. And I speak about seasons because many people, myself personally, there's times for, to be born and I've got some grandchildren coming along the way in only a couple of months. In the last week or so, I lost my father. And six months ago, I lost my brother. And many people here in the house have experienced many things like that. Some people are going into their aged years. Some people are signing up for university and their next course. And in all things, it says there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Amen? And so we as individuals experience times and seasons. Churches go through times and seasons. Nations and communities also go through times and seasons. And it's good to know in every season, that God is faithful. Isn't that a good thing to know? And so, when reading through the Scripture in Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, recorded as being the wisest man and richest man who's ever lived, it was written some 3,000 years ago. And you think, well, is that really relevant to us today? But it is self-evident to me when you read that, that there is in fact nothing new under the sun, And that also was penned by Solomon in the same book in chapter 1, verse 9. And he said, that which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. So many of our common day language and sayings actually come straight from the word of God. Uh, But when reading through these verses, it's plain that these phases of life come to us to nations, families, and individuals. 
But how do you and I handle, how do we respond to all these phases in our life? Some things may be new to us. Perhaps you're young, you've never been exposed, nothing has been revealed. But they're not perhaps new to your mother and father. They're perhaps not new to your grandparents. And they're certainly not new to God. So we don't have to look at the progressive stages in life like a cow looks at a new gate. Because everything is revealed to by God, amen? Don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can go to the Word of God, the source of life for us, and read all about it. And in all the seasons of our lives as a believer, there remains one eternal constant. There is only one that I know of in life. I'm only 60 years of age, many people a lot older than myself. And I can testify that there is only one thing that you can really rely on. I can't rely on myself. I know that for a fact. But I can rely on God and I can rely on his word. He is the one constant. He is the unchanging, everlasting God. I'd like to share tonight uh, from my heart some spiritual truths that have not changed through the millennium. Not changed one, not one little bit. It's good and reassuring to know that there are some goalposts that have not changed through the millennium of time. Who knows the frustration in our current day when the goalposts not only move, who's ever been doing things and the goalposts have been moved on you? But not only do they move these days, but they seem to be on a constantly moving conveyor belt. Science says this. Now science says this. Now science says this. What was wrong with the science back then? They said it was believable. It was science. We had to receive and believe everything that they said. But so here is the good news, and it's called the gospel. God has not changed. In these uncertain times, you need to be able to grab hold of something that has not changed. Malachi, and God said to Malachi in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. It was written to a prophet 2,400 years ago, and he is still the God who changes not. Jesus has not changed. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what Jesus said yesterday, he is still saying. It's a present tense. It's a present word from Jesus. When Jesus speaks, it's still pertinent in this age and in the next and forever. God's word has not changed. Psalm 119 verse 18, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's just settled. It's a done deal. You don't need to challenge it. Apply your intellect by all means, but do not restrict your level of intellect to the word of God just because you don't understand it. Don't reduce God to your own level of intellect. He's quite a bit smarter than most of us here today, amen? Can I have an amen in the house? <laughs> That's good. His eternal plan and purpose has not changed. There's just four quick things, the unchangeable things of God. In a day and an age of such uncertainties, it's good to know that you can grab hold of something that it will not be moved. Amen? When you're a young person, you need to know something that you can hold on to it, and it's sure. It's the datum point from which everything can be measured. If you're on a building site or an engineering site, it is the plumb line to which everything can be measured, is the Word of God. 
It's sure and it's true and it will not waver in the wind. Hebrews 7.24, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. He's not changing. The priesthood is, is never going to be changed. Jesus Christ became the eternal priest. Verse 25, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. What does this all mean to us, all those things? In a word, in one word you would say stability. Who would like stability in this age and time? When I turn on the news, I'm looking for stability. And I'm thinking, what can I believe in and what can I trust anymore? There is not a thing. I used to watch Roger Clemson on the ABC 45 years ago. And I thought, well, there's a face I can believe. Do you remember him, Jeffrey? He was a good commentator, not a commentator. They gave you the news and you could interpret yourself, amen? At least they give you the benefit of having a brain for yourself. Nowadays, they do not. They think they have to interpret it for you. Amen? What does it mean to us? And another word comes to mind is assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of heaven divine. Another word that comes to mind describing all those eternal things that are unchanged is rest. When you have things of stability around you, there is a rest that we enter into. I'm, I enter into the Lord's rest. In the midst of turbulent and, and times that are, there's upheaval everywhere, I can enter into the Lord's rest and be assured that he is unchanging. Since the days of Pentecost, the church and believers have tried to get back to their origin. We seem to have, uh, in a way, after coming to an end of ourselves and so, and our so desperately having the need to be progressive, we've come full circle. We seem to have wanted to rush ahead of God, try to fix something that was not broken. The book of Acts church was an amazing church. But we are entering into a timeless later day church when the former and latter rain will come together and we will experience something even far greater than the book of Acts days. And I believe it has always been my job to prepare the church, not only for turbulent times, but to be part of a victorious church. Right now, much of the church is, as I've heard, tired of skinny jeans, big screens and fog machines. You turn on the big church scenarios and you see the preacher there with torn and skinny jeans, big wide screens with his face on it and fog machines. And you need a fog machine if you don't have the glory. And if you don't have the presence of God in your meetings, you're going to need a lot of stuff. You're going to need a lot of lights. You're going to need a lot of fog machines. But the days of all this the superhero preachers and all that sort of stuff, God's addressing all that stuff. He is. The Lord says he's going to judge the church before he judges anything else. If he has to use 60 minutes, he'll just do that. Amen? And God is in that. That was Pastor, Morello, Pastor Mario Morello's uh, little uh, saying there, that skinny jeans. But the word authentic is now the cry of much of the hungry ones who have been marginalized for almost 30 years. People who are very, very hungry from God, they want something authentic. They want something that is real. 
They said, show me, show me the miracles, but don't give me all the Hollywood stuff. We just want to see the real deal. Being authentic and being true blue is quite Aussie. Who knows it's not a bad thing when we come to the end of ourselves. I say to people, they say, when the, I'm at the end of my rope. And I say to them, well, tie a knot. When people get to the end of their rope, they get to the end of themselves. But what I like it is when they get to the end of themselves, they often come to God. You're in a good position to receive a miracle when you get to the end of yourself. When you've gone to the doctor and he's written you off, he says, you've got pancreatic cancer, you've got two months to live. Well, that means you're in, a, you're in miracle territory. You're in miracle territory. You may never have believed in miracles before, but now you're relying on one. And guess what? You're in a good position to receive one. All you have to do is believe. The promises of God, 31,000, I think there's over, no, there's 33,000 102 promises in the Word of God. There's only 31,000, I think, 102 verses in the Bible, which means that there's more promises than there are verses. And all of those promises in the Bible come to you, come to those who believe. Because believing is the conduit from which the power of God flows from, and there is a heavenly intervention. When you begin to believe, you provide a conduit for the power of God to flow into your situation. All you've got to do is believe. What an incredible thing. And so, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90 verse 2. From everlasting, that's all you've got to say. You read it here. You read the miracles in the Old Testament. Read them in the New. And you say, Lord God, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You said, I am the Lord your God. I change not. They received a miracle. Father, I'm believing for mine. God, you honor God and you honor his word when you begin to believe. You say, that's childish. I say, no, it's not. It's childlike. We're not called to be childish, but to have childlike faith. When you're a little kid, you didn't say, Dad, I don't think you could afford my breakfast in the morning. Do we actually have enough money to brew You never ever thought about that, did you? You were in the sandpit. And you just rocked up for dinner and breakfast and every other meal. And you just rocked up and you believed that your father was going to provide. Your heavenly father wants to provide for you today. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus said that in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except through me. He is still the way. I mean, that's not changed. He is still the truth. That's not changed. And he is still the life. In a present world where the foundations of so-called truth change and move so quickly, they're more like quicksand than solid rock. Who can build a life on the stuff that they dish out to you these days and call it truth? Truth in one culture is not what's truth in another. Truth in what's in one state is not what's truth in another state. They believe a different thing. Truth in most countries can be legislated, and it also can be legislated in, and it can be legislated out. Is that really truth? When you put a plumb line on an engineering site or a, on a building site, that is the plumb line or the line to which everything else is measured. If anything's got to change, the plumb line remains the same. 
That is the word of God. Isaiah's put it this way. He says in Isaiah 40 verse 8, he says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word, this word here is for us this very, very day. And it is more current and more pertinent than today's newspaper. I wouldn't open up a newspaper and believe hardly a word in it. When I turn on the TV, I go, I'm not sure I'm listening to truth anymore. Who's ever felt that? You just think, oh, yeah, whatever. It's almost like, oh, whatever. And so the word of God speaks to the heart of every man in every generation. It doesn't change. The generations may think differently, but the word of God just stands as truth. When we can, why can we be at peace? And the reason is simple. Though we live in turbulent times, and I believe we're preparing the church to be in more turbulent times. But the church always uh, seems to rise to the occasion under pressure. I always attribute the church like a jam sandwich. The more you squeeze it, the more jam pours out. It's a bit like the oil of the, of the uh, olive, isn't it? Gethsemane is the place of pressing where the oil and the anointed one was tested and the anointing oozed out of Jesus' life. Yeshua HaMashiach means Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Under pressure, the church is going to come through just good. Amen. You want to be part of a church that's anointed of God? Where this is our day. This is our day when we are going to shine. We're not going under. We're not going under. We're riding this wave that's coming upon the earth. <clears throat> nations and rise, nations will rise and fall, and people will rise on fall or fall on what they do with the one called Jesus and the word of God. Its truth endures and and stands the test of time, not just for a generation, but for all generations. This word of God, uh, millions have paid for with their blood, that you may have a copy of it. Amen? And you can safely impart the truth of God's word to your children and to your grandchildren. The greatest inheritance that you can give your children and your grandchildren is the gift of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the great. You think, I can't give my kids a million dollars. I can't give them a Ferrari. I can't give them this. I can't give them a home. But I can give them a living faith. I, there is eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the inheritance. And you can rest assured, have great peace, that you impart that truth to your family. And it puts all members on the family in, on the same page. Isn't that a refreshing thought? to have your children everybody else in your family on the same page. Some generations think they can dispense with God's truth, but they do so at their own peril. In regard to this enduring word handed to every nation and to you as each as, as individuals, there is one command that will release the atmosphere of heaven into your earthly situation. Whatever the season, we talked about seasons and times here in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'd like to say that in whatever season of life you find yourself, there is a, a command and it says only believe. Only believe. 
And you think it sounds too simple. Perhaps someone here today or someone listening online needs healing. I could use a bit of healing in my chest right now. And I'm believing for it. Doesn't stop me preaching. I just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. But uh, to bring or release the atmosphere into your earthly situations is through the vehicle of believing. Believing is the verb of the word faith. It's called pistis in the Greek. Amen? So perhaps someone here today needs healing. God's word says only believe. Do you need something in your life today? Only believe. Believe in faith? No, the object of your faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, I am the only way. And that contradicts all the teaching that's out there. He says, I believe this, and I believe this. Or a good Aussie saying, I reckon this, and I reckon that. That is not the way of faith. That is not the way that the Bible preaches. But the Bible says only believe. If you need deliverance from addictions, the Bible says only believe. Smoking, drinking, unclean habits, gluttony, all robbing us of a deeper spiritual life and maybe for some eternal life. But I say only believe. There is enough power in the gospel to deliver any person from any one of those things. Mountains of depressions. Uh, mountains of depression or oppression, anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, it says, only believe. And, uh, and almost caving in on you. We, we have anxiety and debt caving in on us. And you almost feel consumed by the worry that some of these things bring. Many people have borrowed a million dollars just to move into their little cottage in Brisbane. Can you believe that? When you can have all this out here for less than half that. Why wouldn't you do it, amen? But you can be overwhelmed by things. But I say, if you find yourself in that position, only believe. Believe, only believe. To those who see the season as in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 11, you may have identified with one of those things. The answer is still simple. Only believe. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word so saved there is a Greek word called sozo, which means body, soul, and spirit. So there's all the three attributes of us can, can be saved. Amen? When our salvation is received uh, through the conduit of believing, as I said there in Romans chapter 10, Believing is that which connects heaven to earth and by which the power of God flows. I say these things repeatedly because repetition is a great form of learning and it instills us in our spirit. God's ability and intent to bless you can and is nullified when believing and faith are absent. Remember Jesus left his own hometown because there was no faith operating there. He left, and he went somewhere else where he found there was a conduit of faith. It doesn't matter who provides the faith for a situation. There was a situation in, when Jesus was in a house, and four blokes let their mate through the roof because he couldn't walk. And their faith healed the man on the stretcher. 
You see, it doesn't matter who provides the faith as long as there is a conduit of faith for you. God's power is more abundant, but it has to flow through something. And that something is believing. Turn to the person next to you right now and you say, do you have that something today? Do you have it? Do you have that believing for your situation? Do you have it? Because faith, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith being a substance means that you either have the substance or you don't. You either have it or you don't. Faith is a present tense. Hope and vision are both futuristic, but faith is now. Faith is something that is tangible. And you can see somebody who's got faith in them. They walk differently, aren't they? They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're project-orientated. They're doers. They're people who are on a mission. I'm on a mission from God. Amen? No, I'm not the Blues Brothers. But they're on a mission from God. And faith is active in their life. And you can see people where faith is active because nothing seems too hard. They don't see the obstacles. They see the end product. They don't see Goliath's head as being enormous and about to consume them. They see Goliath's head as a target they can't miss. That's faith. That's faith. Amen? And so, moving right along, when we have a need, God is saying to us here today, provide me with the conduit so that I can meet your need. Because God doesn't respond to need, he responds to faith. He responds to faith. When you activate that faith, he says, to each one has been given the measure or metron of faith, so it's in you. Amen? Faith is in you, but it needs to be activated. So only believe. Whole ministries have been built upon this wonderful truth. I don't know if anybody recalls William Brannan, but he was a, a minister of the turn of the last century. Uh, about, I suppose about 80 or 90 years ago, William Brannan started the Brannamites. But whole crowds of people would wait for hours to get into the auditorium, and they just began singing this song, Only believe, only believe. All things are possible only believe. And because they waited and, and sang for sometimes quite a number of hours, many, many people were healed just waiting in line to get in because faith was present. Believing was present. The conduit and the healing power of God flowed through to those people without anybody even praying for them or laying hands on them, which is very, very scriptural. And so, why did Jesus say so many times, particularly in John's gospel, more than half the references in the Bible, in that gospel, mentioning the word believe? And I believe it is because everybody has a capacity to believe. Salvation comes by believing. Why did God choose that it is by believing that we would be saved? And the reason is simple. Everybody, while you have a heartbeat, and while you have a pulse, you have a capacity to believe. In the 90s, I saw a revival when sometimes more than 120 or 130 people every single week came to church and were saved. Glorious, glorious. We, people would have a wedding and people would get saved. People would have a water baptism and people got saved. People had a midweek prayer meeting and people got saved. The, it was just a, a whole atmosphere of salvation. Many, many people, they would come, they were intellectually impaired. 
And they brought them in buses. And many of them, not all of them, but many, so many of them were soft-hearted towards the gospel. It didn't depend on intellect because believing. I've seen people there on, on, on death's door in the ICU. And I say, squeeze my hand if you want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If they couldn't squeeze your hand, I'd say, blink your eyes if you want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a heartbeat and there was a pulse and they had a capacity to believe. See, everybody has a capacity to believe. Everybody. Amen? Isn't it glorious that God has decided that it is by believing that we would be saved and that the miracle hand of God is also made available to us through that same conduit. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, John eleven twenty six. whoever lives and believes in me shall not die. Do you believe this? John eleven twenty seven. Jesus said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. So there's a vibrant faith from within that Jesus described when he said, that out of your heart would flow rivers of living water. Out of your innermost being, out of the inner man and inner life, something would burst forth. And I recall it in 1992 when I went to the floor as a sinful man and I called to the Lord, out unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I was deeply repented. I drenched the carpet with my tears because I knew the level of sin that I lived. I knew how far from God's word I had strayed. But I rose from that place a believer. I was totally cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And my life has never been the same. And there's people who are listening in online. And I pray that your life will never be the same when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe. 1 John 5.13, I love this scripture. It says, John, that apostle of love, says, I write these things to you who believe. In the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to, it's not up there to, it's not a, a throw the dice and I'll, I'll find out whether I'm going up or whether I'm going down. A lot of people say, oh yeah, I've got a sort of a faith and I suppose I'll find out one day. No, they have not received. That work has not done. That work has not done because Jesus has given us, I write these things to you who believe. In the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. My question to you to this evening is, do you have eternal life? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The Bible promises eternal life to those who have received Jesus. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, said Jesus in John 5, 24. And he says, he has crossed over from death unto life. What is that crossing over? Crossing over from death unto life is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe is the doing word. It's active. It's not a passive word. A lot of people think, oh, faith is a passive thing, but it's not. It's an active pursuit of truth. To choose to operate with a higher law. I'm just winding up now to choose to operate, to choose to be contained. You, you and I, we're living on this earth. We can be contained by the law of gravity. But you and I are being called to fly. 
And sometimes it leaves God scratching his head because he's given all provision to us. And when we don't uh, uh, activate believing to the word of God, it leaves the word of God impotent and annihilates the seed of the word of God. Believing activates the word of God and makes it a reality. The seed of God annihilated and unable to reproduce. But we have been called not only to fly, but to mount up with wings like eagles. And believing in every season is what we're called to do. Amen? When I read Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 11, there are so many seasons in all of our lives. There are so many uncertainties. So few things that we can lean on. So few things that we can trust. So few people that we can even trust. But the Word of God and the person of Jesus Christ, it is, it is that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of heaven divine. And I'm just rounding up now because the Lord of the mountains, and you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 28. And it was the Syrians who were coming against the Jewish people. And they said, because the Lord of the mountains is the Lord of the valley. Amen. He is the Lord of all. Where can I go from your presence? And you are not there. In any place, in any time, you are God. In Ezekiel 6.3, it lists three places. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys. He's the fourth man in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He is the Lord of the mountains, the Lord of the valleys, the Lord of the ravines and the Lord of the rivers. Let's just stand to our feet. It's a glorious word, the word of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray today that there is an assurance in every person's life here today. Some people are aged. and They're not sure who's going to look after them in their aged years. Some people are young, embarking on a life at university or school. There are people listening online and you're entering into a season and the doctor's reports are not good. There are people here with relationship problems. And we can all have them from time to time. You need not be condemned, but turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is an ever-present help in time of need. Father, right now, we open up our heart to you today. And Father, we apply our believing. We look to you, Lord God, today. And we pray for a holy and heavenly intervention into our situation. Father, we know that we can trust you. You are unchanging. God, you are the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You are our eternal God, and you change. I am the Lord your God. I change not. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is unchanging. His goalposts are not moved on you. He is that blessed assurance. His word can be trusted 110%. Father, we look to you, Lord God, today. We thank you, Father. And Lord, we know that we can trust you. We place our life in your hands. 
we place our hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. And Father, we love you, we honor you, and praise your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Jules, can you finish up with a worship song? This is my story. This is my Sing my song.